Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. You are joined by three of your regular four co-hosts, uh, Pastor David Menendez, Pastor Jose Prado, and Pastor Ken Jones. We are absent uh, Pastor Aldo Leon. We look forward to having him back in studio with us. We're continuing our discussion on the importance of the word or the gospel, how the gospel defines the life of the church, not only institutionally, but especially when we gather. Uh, last week, we, we talked about those things that have influenced the practices of the church at, the, at a local level from the 19th century revivalism all the way through mid-20th century. In fact, some of those elements are still with us. But in the meantime, we have also seen new ideologies, new trends that have influence of how we do church. Uh, we engaged with a, a quote from uh, Peter Wagner on relevance, that the challenge or the enemy for the 21st century church is not so much doctrinal as it is uh, relevance, that we don't want to be irrelevant. And we've already discussed how those things have influenced what we do. I want to read something else from uh, David Bruins. The name of the book is Reformation Riches for the Contemporary Church. Now, this is a, a newer book I cited last week from City on a Hill by Phil Riken uh, that has the quotation from Peter Wagner. And that one was written, I believe, about 2002. This was actually uh, published, I believe, last year. Here's, here's a quote from the book. I'm going to be interacting with it uh, throughout, but here's one quote. It says, Today, the church's ecclesiology, how we do church, often looks a lot more like a Beatles magical mystery tour of experiential, mystical entertainment rather than the biblical model of being graciously addressed by the triune God through preaching and sacraments. Man, does that speak to us or what? Uh, yeah, it, it does. I mean, anytime that we are uh, seeking uh, the culture's approval or the culture's uh, stamp of relevance uh, in the way uh, we view uh, the nature of the church and the purpose of the church, then we're definitely going to uh, look more and more uh, like the culture instead of uh, uh, you know, the, in, instead of like the New Testament church. Yeah, now to that point, he goes on to say, across the board, church services have largely become constant drones of exhortations for us to do more and try harder as opposed to recounting what Jesus has done for us. Churches vary in what to do more of and what to try harder at. For more conservative churches, it may be private and public morality. For more liberal churches, social justice issues. And for more charismatic churches, having an inner experience. Undergirding it all is a constant exhorting, all of which only ends up puffing people up and or burning them out. It never provides the actual nurture needed if there is any hope of doing more and trying harder at anything. So what begins as just, it seems, a, an innocent attempt to just change a form here and there, to just make it more comfortable, to just adapt a little bit more to the culture, ends up then altering 
the yeah. message itself. Well, and, and the thing that I like about what he mentions here is he mentions those three layers on a more conservative side. What are we trying harder to do? Yeah. Improve our morality. Yeah. From a more liberal side, what are we trying hard yeah. to do? To change the culture. We're left with ourselves, whichever and way you look he, at it. And mm -hmm. yeah, each way, either way. Yeah. And then, of course, in the more charismatic element of it, um, then we're looking for that experience. In either yeah. case, church becomes a place for you to either improve yourself, improve your culture, or deepen your experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, how does that differ? Because if we're talking about church being defined and driven by the gospel, how does a right comprehension of the gospel change those presuppositions of when we come together? What does the gospel say about our morality? That it's bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, our, experience are, our experiences also are deceitful desires. Mm. So it says of our morality that we're bankrupt. It says of our passions and desires that they are deceptive. And what was the other thing? Changing the culture. Changing social the justice, culture. Social and, justice. And, it, and, and then also it says that this world is passing away. Yeah. So we uh, well, but, yeah. but now can we say that that one of the reasons these things and especially issues like social justice and that charismatic experience hasn't it been the case or at least has been argued that the absence of these things has been the church sticking its head in the sand in the, in the past that we've not given room for emotional expressions, that, ex that, that personal yeah. experience. But, but that all must be set right by the encounter with God, mm. not by a pursuit of our own relevance and our own self-made ways of, uh, of finding ourselves within ourselves. Right. We're only going to find just more death, more agony, more angst, more desperation, more you know, self-defeating ways of ascending. Mm. And we need to meet with God. God. Thank God that God, you know, understands that and knows us and interprets us. And then he has given us the, the message and the means of grace to redeem us from these fallen ways. So we wouldn't say... In order to set things right so that we can go out to the world again and be right. mundane in a good way now. Mm. In, in yeah. a redeemed way. You know, I think we, we have defined the church to be uh, some sort of... Uh, uh, institution uh, placed in the world in order to transform the world yeah. uh, when in reality the church is an institution that has uh, it's, it's a, a transformed institution you mm -hmm. know uh, uh, we have been transformed mm -hmm. uh, and, and, that, and the source of that transformation is, is the gospel it's outside of us it's not, it's not us and, and I want to be clear on this because people will hear it, and, and I've heard a lot of people try to make assumptions that inherent within the gospel message is a call for social justice. But I think to your point, Jose, if we understand what the message of the gospel is and what the gospel actually cures, because what the gospel cures is our failure to keep God's law. It right. is the answer to us having failed to keep God's law. So when we understand what the law is and the law, the two tables of the law have to do, uh, they deal with, with God as well as our neighbor. So issues of social justice, it's not that they are not important. They are very important. 
But is it the church's responsibility to transform the culture? I think that's what people, that's the presupposition that a lot of people bring to this discussion. Well, if, you know, if, if the, the essence of the fall is that we try to become like gods, right? Mm. Then when our pursuits and our own sense of relevance is sacralized, mm-hmm then we end up uh, hurting the world rather than transforming the world with the redeeming message of Christ. In other words, the gospel allows and restores us again to be creatures right. before God. You know, to lay down our pretensions to be godlike and to pursue our own sense of relevance, I think, which is sort of a symptom of that. And once we're comfortable again, redeemed in the presence of God, enjoying and delighting in Him, and having been redeemed in our mindset as well as to what pleases God and what God is setting right eschatologically, and even now in history by the presence of the church in the world, then we can go out into the world and be the types of persons and individuals that God has called us to be, because we have come from being in the presence of the sacred. So, so an encounter with the triune God yeah. as set forth in Scripture, driven by what we understand about God from the gospel, yeah. his, his gracious gift of the gospel, that itself is a transcendent right. experience. Which will bear. Which transforms yeah. the individual yes. who now sees his neighbor differently yeah. so yeah. that we can go out and either with other image bearers, they don't all have to be Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this is critical, that, that when we want to make social change, if we see injustice in the world, injustice is a problem for anyone who is a citizen of the world. So it's not, just, it's not a Christian issue. So we should be able to partner with anyone who is concerned about injustice, and we, are, we come to it being informed from our transcendent experience with yeah. God yeah. as the transformed yeah. people. Now we go out and seek the well-being of our neighbors. Yeah. 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 Having been loved of God through grace and mercy. Right. And, uh, and now coming to uh, a proper understanding of how to respond to God. As image bearers, then we go out and influence society by our own vocations and living in them. But if we come to church, uh and in church we're just getting pumped up with this self-made, you know, uh, end-godding type of ways, we go out there and uh, we're going to act like little gods out there. Mm. And we're going to mess up a lot of people. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, what we're hearing in today's relevance contest, you are a God, you are the champion, you are. And, and, and right. all of a sudden, we believe our own press and we go out there, not with the servant's heart. Right. And one that's been redeemed by grace, but we go out there on our high horse. But, but shouldn't the challenge it, uh, that when we come into the, the, the uh, presence of God, the transcendent presence of God, uh, shouldn't that challenge how we view our neighbors? Sure. I mean, doesn't the law, yeah. when, when law and gospel are clearly presented, shouldn't I be challenged for any prejudices or any, any ill thoughts that I have about my neighbor? Uh, I should be challenged by understanding what my responsibility is to my neighbor, even if my neighbor is of a different religion, if they are of a different 
of, of even their, orient, their sexual orientation. My challenge is to love my neighbor as myself. So when I come into the, the transformed or the, the uh, transcendent atmosphere of worshiping the triune God, then I should be cut to the quick at any, any pockets of, of, of prejudice in my mind when it comes to my neighbor. So the beneficiary of that should be my neighbor. I should be loving my neighbor. So that's not, so loving the neighbor is the responsibility of every individual Christian, but it's not the responsibility of the institutional church to correct what's wrong with, with the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, I mean. It's another attempt of relevance by the institutional that's right. church. That's right, that's right. I, I was gonna say, I mean, some of the greatest philanthropists uh, in, in the history of the world are not Christian. You know, right, uh, and therefore philanthropy is not necessarily what defines the church. Uh, we 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 are not an institution for the betterment of the world uh, 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 when it comes to just externals. But we we are what Paul says to Timothy. You know, uh, we we are the pillar and buttress of truth. Yes. That's who we are. Of the truth. Of the truth. <laughs> yes. And then he explains to Timothy what that truth is. Yeah. And it is the gospel. You yeah. know, it's Jesus Christ, his his birth, death, and resurrection. You know, and so, uh, I mean, that that is who the church is. That is our call. Jesus calling his disciples to receive power in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right? He doesn't say, he doesn't say to them, receive power so that you would go and do all this philanthropy work, you know? Yeah. So that you would, uh, uh, you know, change the world with all the social justice. He, he says, you know, you receive power what? So that you will be my witnesses, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, in verse 37, I think the, the people cry out, well, what should we do? And then in verse 38, Peter gives the answer, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 40, to kind of buttress what he says in verse 38, he says, and be saved from this crooked generation. Mm. Now, that's not a, a separate command, but the idea is that as you are, are, are identified in Christ, then you are being called out of this world so that your approach to living ought to be in light of who you are in Christ rather than according to the priorities and the definitions of the world. You, that is repentance, that's and right. that is the responsibility when we gather that we should call God's people continuously to repent and the fruit of it is going to be seen in how you live in your home and how you serve your community. Yeah, I, I love, I love, uh, um, I love Paul getting to Ephesus, you know, and uh, and so here's a city uh, indulged in witchcraft, right? And everything that comes with that. So I mean, everything mm -hmm. that comes with witchcraft, which is going to be, you know, all kinds of 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 uh, uh, of, of social issues, right? But he doesn't go there and and preach or or help people, uh, you know, out of their witchcraft in a sense of like, well, we're, we're going to change this here. We're going to do this. Right. You know, we're, we're going to go against this. We're going to protest for this and that. No, he goes and he preaches yeah. the gospel. And as he preaches the gospel and people are saved. What happens? You know, those saved people start burning exactly. up their, their witchcraft books. Yeah. And, and even the whole city feels 
the the change where 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 then Paul is 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 pretty much kicked out of the city because of, of what's wow. going on in the city. Isn't that interesting mm-hmm. that he does not call for a special day where you're going to take all of your witchcraft books and bring them here to, right. the, to the, the marketplace and we will burn them. Or a no. boycott. A boycott of the yeah. silversmiths engaged in the fabrication of idols or statues. Yeah. Let's boycott them. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Well, you know, funny thing. Uh, well, I don't know, David, you might remember this, but remember Procter & Gamble? There was a protest of Procter & Gamble products a number of years ago. Because the rumor circulated that the owner or the president of Procter and Gamble mm-hmm. was a uh, was worship uh, was a Satan worshipper, and yeah, he had this image of six 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 on the, the product the and, the, and the moon. Yeah, but you see, then when the gospel is replaced by by the message of relevance, yeah. it's again our ascend unto a godlike status. Mm. We bring about change. Yeah. We are the agents of change. Right. But yeah. when the yeah so so what ended up happening? First off, it wasn't true. Uh, he never went on the programs that people said he did and pronounced himself to be a Satanist. But he ended up they ended up having to change the logo because mm. Christians, our biggest impact, which is always amazing to me. What are what are the two biggest impacts that we have had in the culture? One certainly is changing the logo on. Procter and Gamble for cleaning products. Wow, we should be proud of that. The other one is 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 prohibition, which ended up being revoked. Why? Because we thought it was our responsibility to transform wow. the world. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When we lose transcendence and truth, then we think we are called to transform the world. And I guess that's why or we to, can... Or to heal or diseases, if you go yeah. another route. In other words, there's different ways, like yeah, you read in the ways. book, yeah, exactly. that uh, it's either it takes the form of uh, the social gospel or the miraculous, yeah. you know, name it and claim the type of enthusiasm, you know, different and, ways. And, and it's, it's amazing that we want, we want to change the world and, and make the world right for social justice, yeah. but yet we will gather with people who won't even sit next to each other in worship service. Mm-hmm. The purpose of worship mm-hmm. is for God's people to come outside of themselves, to see themselves crucified yeah. in the cross of Christ, mm-hmm. see the old Adam crucified being raised in the newness of life so that we can now live that new life among other fallen creatures. Amen. Amen. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? That's right. And I mean, let, let me just say it again. And I know you said it earlier, Ken, but, you know, let me just say it again, that what we're, we're not saying that the gospel does not call us to, uh, to love our right. neighbor. I mean, it does. It, it calls us to love our neighbor. But the, you know, uh, the, the believing community is not defined by our loving of neighbor. You know, the believing community is defined by the receiving of God's love towards us and the fact that Jesus loved God and neighbor perfectly in yeah. our place. That is what, that's what we're defined by. And, and, and that is important. I, and like I said before, I think part of the pushback, part of the, the desire to, be, to include social justice and horizontal issues within the body of the gospel is because of the failure at various points in, in, you know, in the church during the period of slavery. 
it was people who held to you know the truth of the saving grace of God in the person of Christ who did not see the inconsistency of owning another human being as property and treating them as less than an image bearer of God. But that doesn't mean you change the message because right. these idiots got it wrong because yeah, they were exactly. practicing something inconsistent mm-hmm. with that message no more than it is the church's responsibility to march on City Hall. It's not our responsibility. It is our responsibility to raise the consciousness of those who have been given new life in Christ to now see the world through the lens of who we are in Christ. That's right. So as Paul says that I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me through the cross of Christ. That's right. That's right. So when we fail to, uh, to define the church or our gathering in the church in transcendent terms, but rather we define our purpose as cultural transformation, then how does that message change what we do in the it's church? It's what's happened with the emergent uh, movement, you know, the, the likes of Brian McLaren's. The fact that they're even renouncing now the um, the atonement they're wow yeah. it, it's they have cast off the inerrancy the of scripture yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's all that's it, so it, it is an attack on doctrine it's an attack on the gospel so it's the same attack of the old enemy yeah so so th- those who were complaining well the church is just yeah. out of touch so yeah. what does it mean now to be in touch to deny the inerrancy of scripture right. to deny the gospel right. itself Let to, to deny it. absolute truth to deny any um, any command of God, you know, uh, you know, for righteousness. I mean, it, it just means we're, we're going to deny everything because if we're going to be relevant to a culture that is uh, in enmity with God, then we must deny all the things that, mm. <laughs> that we stand for. Let, let me read also from, from the same book, um, Reformation Riches for the Contemporary Church. It says, even good things then become distorted and turned into idols. Worship becomes all about our service to him, our building the kingdom, our being missional, our, our changing the world and making it a better place, our connecting with him through praise, our efforts to emotionally and mystically experience his presence, and, fi- and our finding ways to speculate about him through inner contemplation. So when the word or the gospel is not, is not the uh, center of our gathering, then we will define all of these pursuits as really being ends within themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, we take the gospel for granted. We, we assume the gospel is safe and sound. And the moment we do that, and we fail to continue to articulate the gospel, which is the transcendent message that encounters us and redeems us and redeems us and transforms us for the world to be the light and salt of the earth. When we assume that and somehow think we need something else to busy ourselves with, mm-hmm. we have lost both the gospel and the world we seek to transform. Wow. And in essence, we're even though we are pacifying this culture that is passing away, we haven't done them any good no. because we've left them to go to hell in their own way. That's right. If mm-hmm. we've not challenged them with the truth of the gospel, which takes us back to Paul's reminder that the gospel, the message of the cross is foolishness mm-hmm. and will always be foolishness yeah. to us in mm-hmm. our fallen nature 
as well as the culture around us. The relevant man Absolutely. does not receive the things of the Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, again, this has been Saints and Sinners Unplugged. Join us again next week. Thank you.